everything that I share needs to be able to help someone, whether it be help a dog, give someone an idea, give someone courage, let people know that they're not alone. to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. If you consider your dog a family member, then this podcast is for you. Let's celebrate the love and connection we have with our dogs. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. This is a place for us to connect in the joy of loving our dogs, and also a place where you know you're not alone in the difficult times, or in the sadness of missing a dog that was an important part of your life. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 18 of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host, Erin Scott, and I am so incredibly excited for you to hear today's guest, Kimberly Gautier of KeepTheTailWagging.com. But before we get started with the interview today, I wanted to first thank everyone who took the time to send some positive feedback from episode 17, the Dog Mom and Dog Dad Roundtable about shy and fearful dogs. I was pleasantly surprised with how much great feedback we got, and I'm really glad that that resonated with so many of you. Have you ever done that thing where you're maybe in an argument or having a heated discussion and then later you think of like the perfect comeback or the perfect thing that you should have said? Because I just had that happen a little bit with the roundtable episode about shy and fearful dogs. Not that it was an argument or anything, of course, but we talked in the roundtable about my dog Nino and he's this big 80 pound giant headed pit bull dog that some people tend to look at and be fearful of. But the great irony of all of it is that Nino is the most fearful dog that my husband and I have certainly ever encountered or or taken into our home. And Nino has been with us for almost five years now. And most of our house is wall to wall carpet. However, obviously the kitchen floor and like the bathroom floor are not. And Nino will do this thing where he'll start walking across the kitchen floor and he'll get about halfway, which is about the point where our refrigerator is. And then if he goes any further than that, he, for whatever reason, gets himself psyched out. He'll suddenly start having problems with his traction, even though he had walked the whole first half of the kitchen floor with no problem. Or he'll suddenly forget that he knows how to turn around and he'll start walking backwards. And after all this time, we have never been able to figure out why he seems to be able to walk the first half of the kitchen floor okay, but not the second half. And every once in a while, if his ball rolls all the way through the kitchen, or if he sees like a bug on the floor or something that he gets all into following, he'll walk all the way through the kitchen with no problem, and then suddenly realize, oh, oh wait, oh, I'm stuck. And I saw him do this the other day, and it it just made me think, dude, Nino, this is all in your head. This is all in your head. And I guess I just thought that that was such a great metaphor for fear in general. And it really just sort of resonated with me. And I thought, man, I wish I had thought to say that during the podcast episode. So I'm going to say it now because I thought it was worth sharing. And I started wondering how many times in my life I've done this. I'm definitely somebody who has been affected by anxiety and fear or fear of judgment and fear of trying new things and fear of what other people will think if I do try something new, 
like a podcast. And I just had to come to the realization that anytime I felt that it's just all been in my own head and it's not necessarily a real thing. And I'm the only one that's holding myself back. So I just always have to thank these dogs for being such great teachers. And they really truly are, you know, the greatest healers and teachers and inspirations that I've had in my life. And I'm really excited for you to hear about the role that Kim's dogs have played in her life. I'm so thankful to Kim for taking the time to chat with us. I recently reached out to Kim to thank her for including this Believe in Dog podcast in her recent blog post about podcasts that are perfect for crazy dog moms. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes for you. Kim has more than 33,000 followers on Facebook, plus Instagram and YouTube channels also. She does a ton of Facebook Live videos, both by herself as well as in conjunction with other awesome people in the dog world. And if you aren't already following her blog, I highly suggest that you do. Recently, she's posted about everything from nutrition and feeding her dogs to how she clips her dog's nails to building the ultimate backyard for her dogs. And just over this past weekend, Kim started experimenting with something called Fluent Pet, which you should really check out. It's this really amazing way that we can train our dogs to talk to us. Kim and I will be discussing her childhood background with dogs, how she came to adopt two litter mates the first time that she adopted her own dogs, how a dare led to Kim starting her blog, Keep the Tail Wagging, and how blogging about her dog Rodrigo's health issues led her to discovering raw feeding, even though she didn't blog about raw feeding right away. Kim and I also discuss how making healthy choices for our dogs has also led to making more natural choices for ourselves as well, and Kim gives some great advice about how to get started on that journey. Kim and I talk about the power of dogs to unite people, whether it's people of differing opinions or people of differing backgrounds, and how we've seen this play out in our own lives, and how Kim's love of dogs keeps her going even when she gets backlash from internet trolls. Kim and I discuss having hope when your dog gets diagnosed with cancer, and I'm really appreciative that Kim shares some of her journey with her dog Sydney's cancer diagnosis with us. Kim also shares about how supportive her community was, as well as the dog-loving community in general, when she was going through her dog Sydney's cancer journey. Kim also shares with us some of the life lessons her dogs have taught her. So let's get started with Kimberly Gautier of Keep the Tail Wagging. I am here today with Kimberly Gautier of Keep the Tail Wagging. Kimberly is a blogger, an author, a speaker on all things dog nutrition, raw feeding, and just crazy dog momming in general. Hi, Kim. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so happy to have you here. I've been following you probably since about 2014, but really solidly since like 2017 time. And it's really cool to to have the opportunity to speak with you today. Yay. So I always am curious with people how they got into having a dog. So I never had a dog growing up, but I always wanted one. And so were you someone who grew up with dogs or, or what was your story like? Yeah, my um my dad was a huge dog person. And so I grew up just loving dogs because of him. And I had my first dog when I was 10 years old. And I mean my dad always had, you know, my my parents were divorced, but my dad always had huge dogs. And so I had a Sheltie. And he was just like that's not a dog type of thing. But oh my god, I loved him. His name was Jackson Joel Stripe Morris Barnes. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was a kid. (laughs) But yeah, so it was like completely normal for me to when I was a stage in my life as an adult, 
that, you know, we're going to buy a house and of course we're going to get dogs. And so you first adopted Rodrigo and Sydney, who were littermates. Is that right? Yes. Yes. How did you decide on littermates? That seems like ambitious for first time. Because <laughs> I didn't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so funny because we adopted Rodrigo. We were at a rescue event. And of course, we just went there to ask questions, not to adopt a puppy. But of course, seconds after we saw the puppies, we saw Rodrigo. He was a Border Collie mix. And that's what we were. That was like, if you went to our house, all the books we had had a Border Collie on the cover. We were very much into herding dogs. And so we just paid the adoption fee and we had a dog. And a couple days later, I, um, after, you know, harassing my boyfriend, I called them and said, I want a second dog. And they gave me the only girl in the litter. And that was Sydney. And so I always say that she was chosen specifically for me. And because she was just the absolute perfect dog. I mean, she was amazing. So I didn't know any better. I didn't know about littermate syndrome. When I did learn about littermate syndrome, I just made a point of working with a dog trainer. And I think that that is why we were able to be so successful with both Rodrigo and Sydney and Scout and Zoe. That's right. Because then later you adopted another pair of dogs that yeah. were litter mates. Yes, because we're all pros now. <laughs> of course, I would never recommend it to anyone else. I That's why I started my blog was to like, you know, gosh, it, it cracks me up to think of how arrogant I was that I'm going to educate people about raising litter mates with no experience in dog training or dog behavior and just having two puppies that happened to be doing great, I thought that I was now the expert <laughs> and I cracked the code and I was going to tell the world. And yeah, no, I just got lucky. And so how did you decide to start blogging? Um, you, I know that you had had a photography blog in the past and then you, did you morph that into dogs when you got the dogs? I had a photography blog and actually at, when I started Keep the Tail Wagging, I had three blogs and Keep the Tail Wagging was my third blog. I had one about photography, one about blogging, a blog about blogging. Okay. And um, um, I started Keep the Tail Wagging. And I actually started Keep the Tail Wagging, one on a dare. I always just despise the ASPCA commercials. The tear jerking ones? Yes. Yeah. Whenever they would come on, I would storm out of the room because I could never like hit mute or change the channel in time because I would get so flustered and panicked. So I would leave the room and I was, I just hated them. And I was just like, why can't those commercials ever show happy endings? And my boyfriend, you know, having probably got fed up with hearing this, you know, yet again, told me, it's like, well, why don't you go blog about it? And it's like, well, maybe I will. And <laughs> at the same time, my, um, I have two ladies who they're best friends and they're my blogging mentors. They um, were starting a online course for bloggers to help you get started and to basically start a new blog that is going to be a business. And so I joined the course. And so I created Keep the Tail Wagging as part of the course assignment. And it just blew grew up from there. Well, you've done an amazing job with that assignment. <laughs> <laughs> and so the way that I understand it from how you've talked about it is, you know, you had Rodrigo, he started having some health issues with like his skin, his digestive problems. And you were just blogging about that because that was part of your life. Is that how you got started down this whole sort of health, wellness, nutrition angle? Yeah, I did. It's sort of like, it was interesting because as I was just going through Rodrigo's health issues and his veterinarian at the time, just sort of like, this is just normal for dogs. 
And maybe to him it was. But since I was a blogger, I'm hearing from people all around the world, you know, other bloggers who are talking about, you know, different diets. And, you know, some people are cooking for their dogs. Some people are feeding raw. And then we have um, some good friends who started feeding raw. And they're like, yeah, all my dog's allergies went away. They actually, I remember, I remember us sitting at a table at dinner and I was just sort of like what they were telling me, it just seemed too good to be true. So I just started doing research and I connected with Dr. Kathy Alanovi. I didn't really understand who Dr. Kathy Alanobi was at the time. Like I didn't know who Susan Thixton was. I didn't know any of these people. I just knew that she often responded to my queries whenever I needed a resource or a source for an article. And so she helped me with the raw feeding articles. And then she herself just helped me understand, you know, what I needed to do. And I switched to a commercial diet for my dogs. And a year later, probably less than a year later, I was tackling DIY. So when you say commercial, you mean commercial raw feeding? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, going with the brand. And and that's when, because I didn't immediately start writing about raw. I was actually afraid to. I thought that I would lose my audience because here I am writing about raw and, you know, no one feeds raw and people are going to be like, what are you talking about? And I was really afraid. So I just sort of just kept writing about normal things until someone I think that either commented on a blog post or sent me a message saying, hey, don't you feed raw? And why don't you write more about what you're doing? Because I'm interested. And I was just sort of like, okay. So um, I wrote, you know, a few posts here and a few posts there, and they were doing really well. So I did, um, I wanted to change my blog, like I'm going to change the topic to raw feeding. So one month, there is an annual blogging challenge every April. And I think it's blogging from A to Z. And so I did raw feeding from A to Z. And I, I think I did that for like three or four years. It's a lot of fun. And one of those years, I turned it into a book, into a novice's guide to raw feeding. I have the book. Oh, yay. So uh, when I first adopted my dogs, I mean, we didn't know anything about raw feeding. I'd never even heard those words. It was just, oh, there's pedigree commercial or whatever commercial, like, oh, that's dog food. It's these dry pellety things. (laughs) and, And that's what dogs eat. You know, I was, I first found out about raw feeding. I had started volunteering with this group of women in Baltimore. We started out with the focus of helping kind of pit bull dogs and it's kind of morphed into helping all dogs receive veterinary care. There was this whole group of very experienced dog owners who were, were all feeding raw. And I'm like, what do you, you just feed them raw meat? Like, yeah, like what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> and we actually have, there's a company here in Baltimore called Canine Craving. Uh, and so a lot of them were feeding Canine Craving because it was readily available being um, based out of Baltimore and distributed out of Baltimore. And it still took me a couple of years before I was in a position to be able to, you know, to do that uh, with my dogs. And once we did switch, we've never gone back. And then it, it sort of takes you down this rabbit hole of like, oh, well, what else can I do for my dogs to make them healthier once they kind of have these these like health crisis and, and, you know, and you're like, okay, well, if I always thought this was good, you know, what else should I do differently? Yeah, yeah. It's funny how when you feed raw and it, it doesn't happen right away, it's just sort of like you're so focused on just getting the raw correct. And then once you sort of feel like you have a handle on that, you start looking at other things like, you know, for me, it started with, you know, vaccinations. I think actually I was already a little like, you know, looking at the vaccinations because I was hearing people talk about that. But, you know, the flea and tick 
treatments, that was another one that I started looking at, like, do I really need to use this? And is there something better that I can use? And, and it just morphs into even, you know, the candles that we burn in our home, or if you're going to use those, those plug-in things, you know, are those safe? Are those just spreading chemicals around the house or what type of cleaning products am I using the laundry detergent? Right. And even to myself where I start looking at the products that I buy for myself and I've gone towards more natural products, you know, fewer ingredients for myself because of what I've learned as I learn about my dogs. That was actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, did this come from a place of, I'm trying to do the best for my dogs. Oh, wait, I should do this for me too. (laughs) Or was it like, I want to try to like do what's healthy for me. Oh, wait, I should do this for my dogs too. Yeah, it was, it was the former. And it's, it cracks me up because it literally took years for me to make the connection of, oh, so maybe I should try to do something like this for myself, where I started paying attention to just turning products around and looking at the ingredients. And I mean, and most of the time I had no idea what I was reading. And that was like a huge, you know, red flag for me where right. it's like, oh, wow. Because if it were a product that I were buying for my dogs, I'd put it right back on the shelves. But for me, I wasn't even exploring it. It was just like, this is what I've always used. And I just went about my day. Right. Yeah, I can remember being a kid and, you know, like washing my hair and I'm like, what is methyl chloro iso? <laughs> like, what are these things? <laughs> I don't know. I'll just put it on my head, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> Mine kind of came about like I had heard this thing about what to feed the dogs, but then I started having like my own weird health issues and had to sort of get this determination of like, I'm going to get this under control. And it started with, I have to get my diet under control. And then I'm like, oh, I need to do this for the dogs too. So I'm always curious, you know, how people's journeys started that way. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, and it's so easy to make changes. I think a lot of times people get a little overwhelmed because they assume that they have to basically scrub everything out of their house and start fresh with everything that's natural. But I just focus on a few things at a time. Like for me, I love makeup. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And so when I go to my makeup store and they know me because I go there a lot, they know exactly that I want cruelty free, that I am interested in ingredients. And and so they know which brands, if they get a new brand that meets those criteria, they're like, yeah, oh my God, we got something great in. And I, I've got, become familiar with the brands that meet what I need. And it's just starting from there and every step that you take, it just gets a little bit easier and easier because thanks to social media and people talking and sharing with each other, it's so easy to find alternatives. Whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, if you wanted to buy natural deodorant, it was just sort of like, okay, so what does this mean? And where do I go? Why do I still stink? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, I've had a a lot of experiments with that too. (laughs) It's funny you mentioned uh, how much you love makeup because one of the things that I always think is so cool is that you'll do these like Facebook lives (laughs) and you're just like in the bathroom, like no makeup on, like getting ready, like doing your hair. And I'm always like, I could never do that. (laughs) And I just think that's badass. Oh, thank you. It's just, it's funny because I got it from, I saw um, a woman do it on YouTube. And my first thought was not that, 
oh, what a great idea. My first thought was, oh my God, I can save so much time. Because, <laughs> I mean, I need to do a live. And instead of waiting, you know, 20 minutes to get all my hair and makeup perfect and the lighting right, and then do a live and then race off to work or whatever I had to do, I can just do it while I'm getting ready. And then my thought was that, and then if everyone just gets used to me looking this way, <laughs> then it's just like, I can just do whatever I want to, because it's just sort of like, you know, no one's going to be surprised all of a sudden if they see me without makeup because they've seen it before. But yeah, it was just, you know, my, how my crazy brain works. You know, I like it. It's, you know, it's multitasking. It's efficient. (laughs) Like, you know, I I get it. (laughs) Like you are a very prolific content producer. I was seeing on your homepage, it says you have over 1100 blog posts. And I know you had started the blog in 2011, although the health stuff kind of came a little later. And then you do all these videos and you do like a video series with, I know I've seen them with Dr. Kojer, the veterinarian. Yeah. I just love it. Like you, you never seem to run out of anything to talk about, about dogs. And I get that because I'm the same way. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's what's so very cool about our community is that we can go, it's like, you can see someone who looks like someone that is just not your person. I mean, it's just sort of like, you know, for me, it would be, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, there just aren't many people out there that aren't my person, but if it were just someone who looked like, I don't know, the polar opposite of who I am, but they happen to be standing next to a dog, I wouldn't even care. It would just be like, Oh my God, is this your dog? What's your dog's name? Is you know, can I pet your dog? And then we just start talking about dogs. And, and, and it's funny because I have seen things you know, break down with people where I remember years ago, I was leaving a coffee shop. I had had coffee with a friend. And what's crazy is I have no idea who I had coffee with, but I can tell you that it was a teacup Yorkie that I crawled (laughs) underneath a huge monster truck to get because this huge, gigantic man, bald, you know, looked like a biker, but he was driving this gigantic truck And he's trying to get his puppy or dog from underneath the truck and he could not get to her. And so I was like, I'll do it. And so I just gave him my purse and crawled underneath the truck and got her and pulled her out and gave him. And he was like, oh my God, thank you so much. And it was just sort of like, I would have judged him as like, oh, who's he? And gosh, he's kind of scary. But he had a little tiny Yorkie and I just, all of that went out of my head because, hey, we need to help the dog and and it just became, and I've never seen that person before or in never seen them since, but I remember that day just like it was a few days ago. I love that. Isn't that cool? I just, I love, love, love the dog lover community because of things like that. Yeah, dogs definitely have the power to unite people. And I do a lot of volunteer work in Baltimore and we're providing veterinary clinics uh, in neighborhoods where people don't generally have access to veterinarians, whether it's, you know, transportation or financial or or what have you. And so my father is a retired Baltimore City police officer. So sometimes when I'm telling him, oh, you know, this is where we were for a clinic. And he's like, you were where? (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm like, it was this lovely day. We helped 100 people see a veterinarian. We talked to all kinds of people from, you know, all kinds of walks of life and experiences. And it was amazing. We we take family photos Aww. and to see just the pride that people you know, have and the connection that people have with their dogs. You know, it's really a, just like a uniting force. And and I just love that whole, and I, you know, the power of dog. And I believe in dog. And, you know, it's kind of where the name of my podcast came from is just, yeah. you know, there's this, this big power of dogs to unite us. And in 
a world where we could use more things to unite us. So yes, yeah. I want to celebrate that. <laughs> I know. I I love it. I mean, because even it's it's interesting to me because you know we do we fight so viciously about things within our community, and we're very passionate about things. And it's because of our love of dogs that I can you know sometimes forgive the battles that exist in our communities. You know because you know it's. It may be vicious, and, but it's all coming from a good place. It's coming from a place of people wanting the best for dogs. It's, you know, and I don't know many other communities, I mean, that I've been a part of in my life that have had that level of passion and love. And I've seen, you know, and I've experienced this myself where people have been staunch enemies and turned into the best of friends. Because even though they disagree, they still kept trying to find some type of even ground because it was just one of those, we love dogs. And so it was worth it to keep trying. And I think that's, you know, given everything that's happening in the world today, I'm even more grateful for that example that the dog lover community has given me. Absolutely. That's one of the things that I had on my list to, to mention to you. You know, like I said, I, I had started sort of following your journey because, you know, I'm interested in dogs. I'm trying to you know, keep my dogs healthy. been through a lot of crazy health situations, cancer, rare diseases. I was once called a witch doctor by my veterinarian, <laughs> you know. And what really made me like transfer from being like, oh, I, I follow her to really sort of being this fan of yours, you know, is the integrity that you approach things with and, and the fact that there are a lot of people who disagree with you vehemently. You're very transparent about it. And I just admire kind of the approach that you have with it and that you've shared some of these crazy <laughs> comments that that you get or the, these trolls. And, and you know, I, I wrote down like the Michelle Obama, when they go low, we go high kind of mindset. And, and, you know, and I just, I think that that takes a lot of like courage to address it head on like that and, and to be as like rational about it and, um, and to say, oh, they have a point of view and, and they care. And even though they're acting like this, I just, I really admire that about you and, and how open and honest you are about it. Oh my God. Thank you so much. That, you have no idea how much that means to me only because it took me a long time to get here. I mean, like five years of therapy. And I have a friend that, you know, we've been friends through my entire blogging journey. She was a blogger as well. And she cracks up because we'll laugh. Something will happen. And she'll be like, oh my God, you know, cause there's the new Kimberly and then there's the old Kimberly and it's like <laughs> the old Kimberly. I would have been in a closet crying <laughs> You know, I was just like, I give everything, everything that I share needs to be able to help someone, whether it be help a dog, give someone an idea, give someone courage, let people know that they're not alone. You know, when I share things, you know, the crazy things that people say to me and, you know, what's funny is that everyone's so distracted <laughs> by the world that I don't think I've gotten many negative comments this year. It's like astounding. <laughs> like what a weird silver lining. I know. I just realized that now, but you know, if I'm going to share a negative comment, you know, on social media, you know, it's just sort of like, why am I sharing this? Am I sharing this to get even with someone? Because that never works. Am I sharing this to make myself feel better Then no, it's not about my ego. It's supposed to be about the dogs. And having that conversation in my head about why I'm talking about things. And then also, you know, being able to say I screwed up or I was wrong and being open and honest about that. It's like all of that has to be done in a way that ultimately helps 
either a dog or a pet parent. And, you know, what I want people to know is that, yeah, learning how to feed raw can be hard for some people. It was hard for me. And it's frustrating that we're constantly getting new information. I mean, it's exciting to learn new things, but it's frustrating when you think you got it and you find out one day that you don't. And then the next day you find out, no, 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 you're fine. That's not regarding you. And then the next day, no, no, you need to pay attention to that. And you're just like, what? Just tell me what to do. And (laughs) I just want to be sort of like a calm in a storm in some people's world as they're trying to navigate this journey. Because I know that there are people that were that for me when I was starting, and it made a world of difference. I definitely think that you accomplished that. <laughs> and so one of the things I wanted to bring up is in 2020, you seem to maybe be changing your focus, or you're at least starting some additional side projects. So what, what all do you have coming for 2021 and going forward? I know you have the dog mom style, um, where you're working more like lifestyle kind of things in. Yeah, I, I started earlier this year, I started two new blogs. And I thought that since we were going to be sheltering in place, that would be such a great time for me to really dig into those. Um, it didn't happen because <laughs> I have too much going on. So I am going to shut down the two extra blogs and morph the content into keep the tail wagging. And my plan is to turn keep the tail wagging more into a lifestyle blog. So it'll cover more topics beyond raw feeding simply because, you know, I came to the conclusion, you know, probably a year or so ago that, it's not just about raw feeding and by staying so focused on feeding a raw food diet, I'm alienating a huge chunk of pet parents who may come to my blog and feel that it's not for them because I'm a raw feeder and they're not. And I just want people to know that, you know, raising happy, healthy dogs is yeah, nutrition is a big chunk of that, but so is training and communication and understanding their behavior and making sure that they're socialized and playing with them and loving them. So many things beyond just the diet is involved. And then also just us as pet parents, we need to be happy and, you know, and exploring the things that we can learn. Like I'm working on a blog post about learning how to take care of curly hair because I've never just let my hair be curly in my life. And and I'm learning how to do that now. And part of that journey is choosing products that are safe and healthy. And the only reason why I'm making that choice is because what I've learned raising my dogs. So I'm pretty excited about it. And then we still, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, have the Seattle Natural Pet Expo in 2021, if we can get through COVID. Right. (laughs) It may, it may turn into an online event, but I'm hoping that we'll be able to turn it into a live event, but we'll see. So I know 2020 has been a hard year for everyone with COVID, but I know, and I hope it's okay to bring this up. I know that you lost one of your dogs this year, Sydney. Yeah. And Again, I just had to admire, like, I know you're going through this horrible shock and you're still able to share about it and share your plan and what you were doing to, you know, to help her. And she had a hermangiosarcoma, which is a very aggressive 
cancer of the spleen. And one of my friends actually lost a, a dog to that a couple of years ago. So I, I know a tiny bit about it just from her journey. And, you know, I was just, again, just so blown away at like how much you, you were able to share about what you're going through while you were going through it. <laughs> because I always feel like I need time to like process it and, and yeah. talk about it sort of after the fact, you know? Yeah. I know I was so worried that I would forget things and it's so important. There's, it's such a huge topic. And I was basically, it was sort of like, I had a crash course in Hermangio and it was just so important that I get that information out there only because I was a member of a Facebook group and every day, like two or three times a day, people were joining the group because they had just gotten the cancer diagnosis, you know, and I was blown away by this all these notifications of people who were just joining, who were just joining. And it was just like, oh my gosh. But what was even more impressive is that it is such an aggressive cancer. When a dog is diagnosed with hermangio, I think that there is a message out there that that's a death sentence. But I'm seeing dogs in this group that have lived four years past the diagnosis. And one of the dogs didn't have the surgery to remove her spleen. A lot of the dogs have the surgery to remove the spleen. And that's why, or, you know, and that's what's is credited to giving them a longer life. But this dog, the pet parent chose not to do the removal. And um, I can't remember why, but her dog was coming up on four years post diagnosis. So that's amazing. Right. And it was just sort of like, so there is hope. And so it was so important for me to let people know that there is hope. Please don't give up on your dog. Please don't think that it's over. And even if your you know, veterinarian is telling you that it's over, you know, stick in there because my veterinarian, who is an integrative veterinarian, she actually joined the group with me so that when I saw stuff, I can run it by her and be like, you know, what do you think of this or tag her in a discussion. And that was, I mean, I, I'm just blown away by that's amazing. Yeah. How she was, the group was so supportive. Um, the community truly came together for me during that time. And, um, it was, it was awful. And I'm, and it was one of those things that, you know, just like all of us can, you know, relate to the experience of getting a puppy for the first time, or just adding a puppy to our lives. All of us know the pain of losing a dog. And it's just one of those places where we land on even ground and we totally get it and nothing else matters except for the fact that we're a community. Absolutely. All right. I have one last question for you. Sure. What would you say are the biggest lessons that you've learned from your dogs over the years? I think the biggest lessons that I've learned is to live in the moment and appreciate the moment to forgive I mean, that's the hardest thing I think for humans is to just forgive people and allow people to be who they are. My dogs love me, whether I'm in a good mood, a bad mood, if I'm sick or if I'm well, if I'm distracted and busy, or if I want to go play, they, they're all game for it. So that's one of the things that I've learned. And I think the, the last one is simply to take care of myself. You know, all the energy and time that I put into my dog's diet and their exercise and training, you know, I need to put all of that into myself as well. Because, you know, if I don't take care of myself, then I'm not going to be here to take care of them. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I could literally talk to you all day. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so much fun. Thank you so much.
goodness, I am still so thrilled that I got the opportunity to chat with Kim. If she's not already on your radar, you should seriously take the time to go check her out at keepthetailwagging.com. And of course, I'll have links to her website and social media pages in the show notes for you to find. So one of the reasons I was so excited to talk with Kim, and I haven't shared a lot about this on the podcast before, but I'm actually a little bit of a nerd when it comes to dog health and nutrition and trying some more alternative type health treatments. I'm not one to forego conventional medicine, but I highly believe in complementary and alternative practices in conjunction with conventional medicine for both people and for animals. And I haven't always been, I didn't really know anything about this type of thing up until around the 2007-2008 time period. And there was a whole sort of series of events that happened with both my own personal health as well as with my dog's health. So I thought I'd tell you a little story about that to give you some background. Because I have found that most people who are into these more holistic or alternative practices, it all comes from some sort of health crisis, whether it's their own health crisis, whether it's their dog's health crisis. And for me, it was a little bit of both happening at the same time. And if you go back to 2007-2008 time period, I was drinking Coca-Cola like all the time. And I loved Coca-Cola. Everybody who knew me knew that I loved Coca-Cola. And I used to have to watch my caffeine intake a little bit because I would get panic attacks if I drank too much caffeine. And around this time, I was coming up on the age of 30 and I had gone to the doctor and they did some blood work and started telling me that like my blood pressure was getting high and my cholesterol was getting high. And here I was not even quite 30 yet. And they suggested that, you know, maybe I need to look into to my diet and making some healthier choices. So I thought, OK, well, I'm going to start by cutting out soda. And instead, I found these flavored waters. And I was drinking these flavored waters all day, every day. I thought this was great. I could drink these even more than Coca-Cola because they don't have caffeine in them. They just tasted really good, and I loved them. And so fast forward, you know, a few months, and I started having these horrible stomach problems. And not to be TMI, but I was basically being diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome, or IBS. And it got to the point where the doctors wanted me to have all these tests done, have a colonoscopy. And again, I'm not even 30 years old yet. And I'm like, what is going on? I, I would feel terrible. There's times I was in so much pain and discomfort, I would have to leave work. And there was one time I had to pull over on the side of the highway because I was just having so much pain and I thought I was going to pass out and I couldn't figure out what was going on with me. I had all these tests done. The doctors told me everything looks fine. They couldn't give me any kind of diagnosis other than, I don't know, we guess it's IBS. And to be honest, that is a really frustrating and kind of scary position to be in when doctors can't even tell you exactly what's going on with you. And it kind of makes you feel like maybe there's no hope. Am I going to have to be dealing with this for the rest of my life? I'm miserable. And I guess I'm the kind of person who doesn't want to accept that for me nor for my dogs. And it's like, here we are in the 2000 whatevers. Somebody's got to be able to give me a better answer than that. And so I started doing some research on my own. And what I ended up finding was that these flavored waters I was drinking had an artificial sweetener in them called sucralose. And there are some people who are really sensitive to sucralose and it can cause them to have stomach cramping and bloating and pains and gas. And I started to cut the flavored waters out of my diet. And lo and behold, I have never had any additional stomach problems ever since then. And while this in and of itself isn't necessarily an example of alternative medicine, it was the first experience that I had realizing that, oh, 
doctors don't always know everything in every circumstance. And it's not fair for us to really expect that every single doctor is going to be able to diagnose every single possible thing that could ever be wrong with somebody ever. Same with veterinarians. We expect our veterinarians to be able to diagnose everything that could ever be wrong with any species of any animal. <laughs> and there are some amazing doctors and veterinarians out there. And all doctors and veterinarians are incredibly smart, incredibly dedicated people. But if you aren't getting the answers that you need for either your own health or your dog's health, look into getting a second opinion or a third opinion, look into working with an integrative health professional, whether it's a functional medicine doctor for people, an integrative veterinarian for your animals. I know Kim had mentioned that she has an integrative veterinarian and she's Facebook friends with her and was tagging her in Facebook groups when her dog was going through hemangiosarcoma. I could do that with my vet too. I have an awesome vet who I work with and I text with and, and I really feel like we're part of a team to keep my animals healthy. And so if you don't have that kind of relationship with your vet, there are veterinarians out there like that. And if you're not getting the answers that you need for your dog, keep looking, keep pushing. You'll find the right person to work with. You'll find the right answers. So the way that this whole episode with me finding out about this sweetener in my drinks ties into our dogs is that it made me start paying attention to what is in my food, what is in my drinks, because I never wanted to experience anything like that again. And if you remember back around the 2007-2008 time period, there was a lot going on in the media about dog food. And there was a large dog food recall because of ingredients that were being imported for dog food from China that were contaminated with something called melamine. And it had actually killed over 100 dogs and caused kidney failure in over 500 dogs. And I'm willing to bet probably more of both of these to which it was never properly attributed. But I suddenly became concerned about, well, what's going in my food and what's going in my dog's food? And I started paying more attention to what dog food I was buying. In fact, one of the names that Kim had mentioned in learning about dog food was Susan Thixton. And Susan is the creator of the truthaboutpetfood.com. I'll have a link for you in the show notes. And this website was created when Susan's dog was killed from a chemical that was in pet food. And she has now made it her life's mission to shed light on what's really going into dog food and what our pets are really eating. Kim and I talked a lot about her focus on nutrition and the raw feeding of dogs, and I'm going to put for you in the show notes links to not only Kim's website, but some other great resources if you want to find out more about raw feeding. Now, if you are someone who is like raw feeding of dogs, I have never heard of this. I don't want you to feel bad because there was a time when I didn't know what any of this was either. And I actually share a little bit of that with Kim. I just thought you bought dog food at the grocery store and that's what you fed dogs. There was all these commercials on TV for dog food and, and that's what I fed. And then when this recall happened, I suddenly became aware of, oh, well, where are the things coming from that are in my dog's food and what are they doing to them? And then I happened to meet some women in the group Be More Dog that I volunteer with who were all, <laughs> in my mind, they were super advanced dog owners at the time that I was still like a baby dog owner and they were all doing this raw feeding. And this can mean many things to many different people. And if you've never heard of it and you start Googling raw feeding about dogs, you are going to find so much crazy stuff. But it's basically the idea that instead of buying these dry pellet dog foods at the grocery store or at PetSmart, that we're going to feed our dogs a more biologically appropriate diet. 
And I'm not going to go into telling you about how dogs share DNA with wolves, but you know, think about it. If your dog's ever killed a rabbit, which we've had happen in our backyard and I don't recommend from a cleanup aspect, but dogs are certainly capable of eating and digesting raw meat. And they need more than just raw meat. You can't just buy some ground beef at the grocery store and be like, oh, here, I'm feeding my dogs raw. But it's the idea that dogs can get all of their nutritional needs met by feeding natural food sources rather than feeding them a, I'm going to use the word kibble here sort of generically for dry dog food, but rather than feeding them this kibble that's like a processed food or sort of like the McDonald's of dog food. And imagining that basically by feeding our dogs these dry foods that they're basically getting fed McDonald's types food their whole life. And for some dogs that works totally fine, but for other dogs, they start having health problems, just like there are people who have health problems if they start eating McDonald's all the time too. And so I'm definitely going to give you some links in the show notes. If you've never heard of raw feeding and you want to find out more about this, in some ways it's very controversial. There are some veterinarians who don't agree with this. And Kim actually just did a couple great Facebook live videos where she talked to several veterinarians who were not in favor of raw feeding. And she talked about what their concerns were and and what her response to those various concerns were. So if you do have any questions, make sure that you check those videos out. And it's never my intention to judge or try to act like anything is better than anything else. I just want you to know that this is an option that's out there. And if your dog is having some kind of health issues, whether it's allergy, skin problems, digestive issues, that sometimes changing the diet to a more biologically appropriate diet can make a huge difference in your dog's health. And Kim has done an amazing job documenting how raw feeding has helped all five of her dogs through her journey at keepthetailwagging.com. And I do just want to mention that obviously I'm not a veterinarian. Kim is very clear on her website that she is not a veterinarian. We are just dog parents who are sharing the experiences that we've had because we've seen raw feeding and taking a more natural, holistic, alternative approach to our dog's health. We've seen it make such great differences in our own dog's health, and we want other people to know about it in case it could help them too. But you should always consult with your own veterinarian and make sure that it's a veterinarian that you feel really comfortable about, that has the same philosophy that you do, and that you really feel like that you're on the same team in addressing your dog's health. And like Kim said about all the content that she produces on her blog, it's so that people will know that they're not alone, so that you know somebody else is going through this. And I hope that you'll find this in the Believe in Dog podcast, especially if you're dealing with any kind of health crisis for your dog. I have been there. You are not alone. And if you need information beyond what I've put in the show notes, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me at Erin, E-R-I-N, at Believe in Dog Podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Believe in Dog Podcast and on Instagram at Believe in Dog Podcast with underscores between each word. If you liked this episode, I appreciate you telling a friend or sharing about it on social media. I also appreciate your five-star ratings and written reviews on Apple Podcasts. I'll put a link in the show notes that'll take you directly there. It really does help more people find the show. And until next time, this is Erin Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs.